What's up, everyone, and welcome to week 10 of MLS Gone Wild. We have a huge guest involved with us today. We're excited to announce this incoming interview with you guys. So, Blem, take it away. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's Blake. Hope everybody's doing well. What's going on, guys? Jack here, coming at you with another week of MLS Gone Wild. Yeah, so before we introduce our guest, two days ago, I think there's been eight teams so far that have introduced the um, the isolated training sessions where players are coming in and they're doing their um, individual training sessions, getting fitness in, getting touches in. So we're taking steps in the right direction. We're taking steps towards seeing soccer on the field again. Um, the Bundesliga is going to be starting up in mid-May, I think two weeks. Uh, so we're going to have some action going. But other than that, I would love to go ahead and turn it over so he can introduce himself. But we have seven-year MLS vet and current Colorado Rapids and U.S. Men's National Team midfielder, Kellen Acosta, with us. Kellen, how you doing today, man? I'm good. I'm good. How you guys doing? We're good, man. We're glad to have you. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So just give, uh, give our fans, you know, get, tell them about yourself. Yeah, so like you mentioned, I'm Kellen Acosta. I'm um, currently a midfielder for the Colorado Rapids. I was originally um, a player for FC Dallas. I was born and raised in Texas. I was a homegrown player for FC Dallas. Got traded to Colorado um, a couple years back. So I'm in my technically my third season with Colorado. Um, I'm also part of the U.S. Men's National Team pool. I played over 20 games there, and I'm hoping to acquire more. Um, and that's just, yeah, that's just a little bit about me. Great, man. Um, so funny story, Kellen, you didn't address it. So I slid into Kellen's DMs a couple nights ago after he threw out a couple <laughs> tweets. And I basically asked him, you know, if he'd be willing and open to joining our podcast. And he said he would. So a lesson to everybody out there, before you send a message, make sure you're sending that message to the right person. Um, <laughs> while I was DMing Kellen, I was also texting Poopus in Dakota. And I ended up calling Kellen baby. <laughs> uh, he, he never addressed it. I was super nervous. I'm like, man, I just lost the interview for us. Um, but yeah, just make sure you're, you know, messaging the people that you think you're messaging before you send what you, before you send what Words you send. Words from the, from the wife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So we'll go ahead and get into the, the questions. So I just said that teams just introduced individual training sessions and that's just started up two days ago. Uh Kellen, when did you say that you guys are starting up? Uh, we don't have the exact start date yet. We're still trying to get approval from um, the city of Denver, um, the county that the stadium is in, um, and then our owners as well. But I think we're hoping to shoot for next week. So if all goes to plan, I think Monday will be our start date. Great. Well, we're, we can't wait for you guys to get back out on the pitch. That means, you know, the sooner you guys get back out there for those individual training sessions, the sooner the league comes back. Yeah, I'm ready for it. <laughs> so there's been a lot of rumors about what format the league is going to come back. Some of the rumors and things that I have down here is, you know, a possible, a possible tournament style. So like group stages, and then they could also do like a two-leg knockout format. Uh, they could play at neutral sites. They could play, you know, without fans. They could also do a format where they, you know, cram a bunch of games into a short period of time, you know, and something positive about that is they could give younger players and more players that don't play. Um, they could give them more experience because, you know, players are going to have to rest. So cramming a lot of games into a short period of time or just saying, forget it. You know, we're going to resume the schedule as is. We're not worried about a time frame. Um, so what format do you think the league should adopt when resuming play and why? 
Well, I mean, there's a bunch of different variables that you have to take into account. I mean, it's obviously it depends on when we start. So, I mean, if we were to start this month, then obviously we would probably just kick off where we left off and and kind of just um, all the games that were missed prior. I mean, probably would just get just axed completely. Um, I mean, like you mentioned, the tournament style. I mean, that's definitely a possibility. Um, that could happen depending on you know also the start date as well. Um, I mean, if we don't start until August or whatever, then obviously we we can't cram in a bunch of games because I mean that's not good for anyone. Obviously, I mean spending a lot of time, I mean offline, not training, and then jumping into a bunch of games. I mean, you you have a lot of investments on the field, and you're risking a lot of injuries. Um, so I mean, I guess I I don't really have a clear cut solution or what would be best. I mean, um. I just want to play at the end of the day. I mean, as many games as I, as I can. Um, I, I don't want to be injured either. So, I mean, I want to do something that, that works for everyone. Um, so, hopefully, I mean, we can get back soon. So, if we, if we get sooner, um, the more games we can play. I mean, obviously, later on, I think the tournament style is probably going to be the best solution moving forward. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Either way, um, I just hope we can just get back into, into playing and get our season underway. Yeah, from a, a fan's perspective, I think a tournament style would be the most appealing, like I said, from a fan's perspective. Um, probably through like a group stages type thing, you know, four teams per group, and then, you know, top two go through, and then it's knockout stages. I think that would be really entertaining from an MLS fan standpoint. It's not something that they would obviously continue to do in the years to come, but, you know, this is an you know, unprecedented situation, and I think that they, they should take advantage of that and, you know, explore some creative options and see if, they can't, you know, this could be an opportunity to gain more fans for Major League Soccer. For sure. I mean, definitely getting exposure. I think, I mean, the, the biggest way to get exposure is playing games, especially when um, there aren't a whole lot of sports on with everyone, all the leagues being temporary, temporarily suspended. Um, I think something that you asked I didn't touch on is the, the whole aspect of having fans there. I think the whole idea that, that the MLS is probably trying to adopt is probably – having no fans until further notice, obviously given the situation and circumstances, I think uh, obviously, I mean, it's definitely tough because I mean, the whole atmosphere of a game depends on the fans and, and then teams that have a huge fan base, I think it kind of evens the playing field a little bit, because it's tough playing against the Seattle's and the Atlanta's and um, LAFC's um, places like that. I mean, I think, Obviously, they're not going to be too happy with it, but I think moving forward for everyone's um, safety, I think that would probably be the best solution. And then maybe even a neutral site, I think that would definitely help where they could just quarantine all of us and kind of maintain and keep everyone safe in that instance as well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Something you touched on briefly uh, that we don't have down here for our questions, but I think that it's a good question to ask. You talked about the fans and, you know, the big cities with, you know, huge fan bases. But how are the fans and the fan bases in Colorado? Yeah, no, they're good. They're good. I think um, credit to the weather. I think it, it's tough if you – we're playing our season and it's cold and freezing and blizzard all the time. But I think with the weather and, and obviously um, if, if we're playing well, obviously we're going to attract more people. I think we started the season off well. 2-0. and Last year, obviously, we, we lost uh, lost quite a few games, and it wasn't wasn't too great, but we still had our loyal fans there, and as we kind of turned things around, more and more people came out. Um, but, I mean, the atmosphere is good, um, but uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely growing. Great. And as you guys grow, you know, the MLS grows as well. 
So, you know, that's your current state. You're in Colorado. But all of this whole, you know, this whole thing, your whole career started. Um, you know, you're from, you said, is it Plano, Texas? Yeah, Plano, Texas. Uh, so, you you know, you played for the FC Dallas Developmental Academy. There's been a lot of changes that have happened in the academy recently. So that's why we kind of threw this question in here. But FC Dallas's Developmental Academy has been, you know, it's regarded as one of the best developmental academies in the MLS. You know, a lot of people say it is the best developmental academy in the MLS. You guys have produced not only yourself, but Emerson Hyndman, who plays for Atlanta United, Paxton Pomicall, who's, you know, plays for FC Dallas, Weston McKinney, who plays for Schalke, Reggie Cannon, who plays for Dallas, and then Victor Uwoa, who plays for Inter Miami FC. So, how did the coaches and the competition of the developmental academy prepare you for your professional career and what makes FC Dallas's developmental academy so special? Yeah. I mean, I think FC Dallas did a great job of just making us pro ready and treat us like young professionals. I think that that was the biggest takeaway that I, that I uh, can think of when thinking about uh, the academy for me. I mean, once I made that jump to, to the professionals, um, it was just an easy transition because I was already used to the atmosphere and the environment that I was already placed in. And I mean, we had top notch coaches as well as top level talent. So we were always competitive and pushing each other. That kind of drive us, drove us forward. And I mean, I was, I was fortunate enough to be on a team that won a national championship. I technically should have won two national championships. We actually lost to in the final against uh, Patty Adores. I, mean, I was playing a few years up, but um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of credit to to what FC Dallas has established and just making a, a great pro environment. Um, we I changed my whole schedule up. I mean, we would train in the mornings and then we would go to school afterwards. So basically, I mean, our focus was soccer, 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 soccer. And I think having that same um, system that the European teams do, I think having um, that schedule um, has uh, has helped us be more focused. Um, and, I, and honestly, it puts us under a microscope. A lot of people don't really think about that, but a lot of eyes were on us in school. What we did, we were, um, we were put on a higher pedestal than most people. And I think that helped us mature on and off the field. And that paid dividends for, for all of us. And so, I mean, like I said, a lot of credit to them and I got credit a lot of them to, for my success right now. So, so for, so our fans better understand kind of how at least your guys' academy works. You said that you guys would do your training sessions first and then you would go to school afterwards. Did you guys go to your, you know, your neighborhood high school or was there a school there on like the residence where FC Dallas was, you know, held? No, so they had a relationship with the district, Frisco ISD. And so, I mean, we, it goes from like the U14s all the way up to the, I guess they're U19s now. I think they kind of changed the age group. So obviously the younger kids would go to um, the local middle school. And then everyone else would go to, to the high school. So we all went to the same high school. So we would always carpool to school and go to school. And um, I think the younger kids actually trained in the afternoon. And then um, us being older, we trained in the morning. Okay, cool. Thank you for that insight. Wasn't really sure how that worked, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, every team is different. I think some teams might have their own school. And then others, other teams, uh, like I think like the whole uh, RSL Academy, they might have their own school. Um, and then some of the guys have, you know, they either do online or they have like a, a deal with like their uh, local district. So 
you know, you, you played Developmental Academy and you signed your homegrown contract. You signed it before you were 18, correct? Yeah, at 16. Yeah, and then you had – did you have to wait until you were 18 to play your first, you know, professional MLS game? Uh, no, I, I played my first game when I was 17. Okay, cool. So I have a question about that. Do you think that there is a correct path for, like, you know, a youth player to go? Is it play in the Developmental Academy and, you know, attempt to sign, sign a homegrown? Or, you know, do you play Developmental Academy and go to college? Do you think that there's a right or wrong way to do it? Uh, not necessarily. I, I feel like everyone has their own path that they go. I mean, mine happened to be going through the academy and um, playing well enough in front of the coaches and having the opportunity to sign a professional contract. And then there's guys um, that I play with, like Walker Zimmerman, who went to college, did well in college, got drafted, and then obviously he, he's bounced around a few teams, but um, he's also on the national team. So, I mean, it, it all kind of just depends. Um I mean, everyone's a little bit different. A guy like Weston came through the academy, didn't sign a homegrown, and went straight to, to Europe and went to Germany. Um, he had the opportunity over there. So um, same with like a guy like Emerson as well. Um, I mean, everyone has their own path. Um, so I guess there's no perfect way um, to go about things. Great. Well, thank you for that insight. All right, man. This is, uh, is Pupus, so I'm going to ask you a few questions too right now. So under uh, Bruce Arena, I know he's currently a New England Revolution coach. But he was your coach with the U.S. men's national team. And then currently you have Greg Berhalter, which was recently uh, Columbus Crew's coach. So when called up with the U.S. men's national team, how was the transition into playing a in a new system pretty much under a new coach? Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough, but that's kind of just how the game goes. You have to just adapt quickly because if you don't adapt, then obviously it's, it makes it harder for the coach to choose you for, for the team and choose you for the roster. And I kind of learned that the hard way um, – being under Greg, I mean, I was trying to adapt to his new system. I just wasn't getting it done. And that's why I've, I've had an absence from the national team um, the past year. And then with Bruce, I mean, he gave me kind of a, a freer role, um, role that I was kind of used to um, with Dallas. And that kind of helps me excel. Um, but I think, I mean, obviously every coach has different philosophy, different systems, but it's important for you um, as a player to um, take on that role, take on that system, adapt and perform um, what the coach is asking of you. So can you describe a little bit the difference between Bruce Arena and Greg Berhalter and their styles of play and how they want their players to you know, run in the system? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we'll, with, with Bruce, it was a little bit different than Greg, obviously, given with the, the players that he had. Um, obviously, it was, a, it was a different cycle. You had guys like Clint and Tim um, still incorporated with the team. Um, so he was kind of dealt with, um, you know, adapting to, to having those guys on the field. And obviously with Greg, he had a transition um, to kind of a, a younger team. So he's able to um, change his formation and change his system a little bit. Um, I think the difference with the two, um, obviously different formations, um, different personnel on the field. Um, Greg is a little bit more systematic he he gives you ways on on how he kind of wants things done and how you can have the best opportunity to to score and I think when you have kind of these ideas in your head um it'll help bring out more chances and bring out more opportunities to win the game and uh and I think Bruce um it was a little bit more free-flowing um he kind of just um let us adapt to each other and and he, he obviously implemented um some things um but, uh, yeah, that was just kind of the difference between the two. 
Yeah, so from what I know about Greg, I know, you know, when he was a Columbus crew coach, he really liked – he was a possession-oriented coach, and he really liked building up from the back. Is that correct? Correct. So it's different. I mean, I mean, with Bruce, I mean, he came from um, the Galaxy. I mean, you have different players there. I mean, obviously, Galaxy spent a lot of money and had some special guys like Beckham's, Robbie Keane's, Landon's. So, I mean, he, he had to adapt with what he had. And then I think the same goes for the national team. And I think between them two, I think Greg – um, has a system and he kind of picks players that fit that system. So I think it's um, it's a little bit different on um, how they kind of operate. Yeah, two great MLS coaches and two great U.S. men's national team coaches for sure. So thank you for, you know, shedding some light on the differences and the similarities and how they kind of run their teams. All right, man. So we're going to get to the next question. So I know I, I just watched your first uh, U.S. men's national team goal, that free kick right outside the box that happened July 1st of 2017 against uh, Ghana in that friendly. So, and that was a dirty goal in the back corner. You scored right up, like right around the, the wall. So what kind of emotions do you have after you scored that goal? Yeah, I mean, it was my first international goal. Um, I mean, I was overcome with a lot of emotions. I kind of didn't know what to do because I was actually so in shock. I had the chills when the ball went in. Um, but it, it was something I was gearing up for. I mean, I knew that um, eventually I was going to put one in the back of the net. I mean, I, I mean, I just – I was just I was happy that um, that uh, I was given the opportunity to take the free kick. I mean, I think I was on set piece duty at the time, so I took I think I took all of them. Um, and yeah, I mean, I scored the goal. I, I immediately just ran to uh, our teammates that were warming up on the side, and I mean, that's kind of about it. <laughs> <laughs> what like yeah? Did you have any other feelings after you saw the highlight of it, or? Uh, I mean, I I watched it over a hundred times. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I don't blame you. I just saw it all. I was just like, man, it, it finally happened. Uh, put all the work in. I mean, I mean, I scored. I mean, for my club, obviously, but scoring my first international goal was was definitely something special. Something I'll always cherish. Yeah, you probably blacked out right after you scored that goal, and you just went, <laughs> went, went into autopilot. Right, it's definitely that. We hope you score many more for the U.S. Men's yeah. National Team. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to switch it up a little bit. Um, so we were I was kind of going through your social media a little bit, and professional athletes have a platform like no other people do, really not that many people don't have. Um, you've done work with Special Olympics. You've done work with Global Down Syndrome. What, like, kind of inspires you to kind of get into this stuff and kind of, like, be able what it what does it mean to you to be able to do this stuff with the platform you have it's definitely huge i mean i think playing for my hometown team i think um and having the platform that i had was was i was trying to trying to utilize that to the best of my abilities and i think the best way i could do that is giving back to my community any which way possible i mean the, the stuff that i posted i mean obviously i've been part of um so um i've done global down syndrome i mean i've done soccer clinics that i mean i haven't exactly pictured i've i've been to schools i mean i try to just be involved in any which way possible and try to just help the youth because i'm uh the youth is our future and i know that for me i didn't really have those players um coming to my school i didn't have those guys that that i can see up close and watch them grow up and that's been around me or that that looks like me and and none of that. So I, I wanted to be that athlete, that that person that people can look up to and know and see their story and try to emulate that to the best of their abilities. And that's kind of 
um, why I do the things that I do. Yeah, it was like I was going through the videos and there were a couple of videos that Colorado shared when you were doing the whole wheelchair soccer type thing. And like you're always smiling when you're doing that. It, like it looks genuine and it looks like you're actually enjoying doing that. So that's awesome. And like me personally, um, I coach Division three soccer right now. So I'm down at Rhodes College coaching soccer. And that's like one of the things that I work with trying to get the team involved with is like the Special Olympics of Tennessee or like just trying to get into more of a community outreach thing because athletes do have a type of platform that <clears throat> other people might not necessarily have in order to be able to give back. So it's, it's always fun to be able to do that stuff when you can or get involved with yeah, most definitely. I mean, it's just something that I enjoy. I don't just do it just to do it. Um, I, I genuinely want to give back. I genuinely love seeing people have big, bright smiles on their faces. And I mean, a lot of credit to the, the people that I idolized growing up, like the LeBron, guys like that who the staple in the community and just love giving back and helping others. So I want to be the LeBron of, of the MLS, some would say, um, not just – on the field but off the field as well yeah and that's awesome to hear this holds pretty close to my heart so i'm a certified therapeutic recreation specialist so i do adaptive sports and activities for people with intellectual disabilities um, for the state of virginia and i think you know the work that you do uh, with those people whether it's with you know special olympics or whether it's with the world down syndrome association or organization um, i think that work is super important you, you know, you give them a role model, you give them hope. Um, you're also an advocate for them, whether you know it or not. Um, so I can't thank you enough for what you do. Uh, and just keep doing it, man. You know, you said you wanted to be the LeBron, but you know, you, you can be, you're Kellen Acosta, so you're doing your own thing. Um, so, so we, yeah. appre- we, we appreciate what you're doing, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for that. Of course. So back in 2019, after your first season with the Rapids, you kind of signed a an extension a three-year extension um and one of the quotes from the gm is like was how you were a core player and wanted to build those build the team around like core players like you and rubio and rosenberry what does it mean to be like to you to be trusted as like a core player and what does it mean to be identified as a core player to a club like colorado yeah, it's definitely huge. Um, I think anyone wants to go somewhere where they're valued. And Colorado, I mean, values me to 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 a high level. Especially, I mean, they traded a lot to get me, and and obviously um, granted me with the with the contract extension. So, I mean, it's a testament uh, of their faith, and I'm just trying just to give back to to um, to their faith and and um, and show them that I mean, I'm here. I'm gonna do everything I can to to kind of turn the program around because. Um, the last few years hasn't been good enough, and uh, I know for the future, um, what the, the GM Ford um, has said. I mean, he wants to turn things around and wants to make soccer a lot bigger in, the, in, in Denver and a lot bigger than the country. And we want them wants to be a, a huge league, not just some league that people view as a retirement league, but um, a, a league with a, a promise and, and definitely a future for sure. Yeah, and going back to you were talking about the results that Colorado has had i mean you guys ended last season really hot you guys started this season really hot uh with results do you see that like hopefully after this covid like that whole momentum continuing even though you guys have been off for a couple months yeah that's definitely the goal um i mean 
I know I can speak for my teammates that we all been working diligently to to continue to stay fit. We're doing video sessions to kind of just get our brain um, thinking about the little details of the game. So when the when the game is is back up and running, that we're ready to um, start where we left off. And so that's the ultimate goal is to just being as ready for whenever the time is that we can go out there and kind of just you know keep going and um um you know finish on a high note for sure yeah and just i have just a comment um the whole snow game last year to open up the season can you kind of describe (laughs) that a little bit because i mean you look at the pictures and you watch it on tv and you see snow everywhere you see the ref referees eyebrows like frosted over pretty much but if you're not there you don't really truly know what it was like can you kind of like give us your personal experience with that yeah, it was probably one of the crazy games I've ever been a part of, honestly. Um, I mean, being from Texas, I mean, I've only seen snow probably, what, like five times in my life. And so being in Colorado, that was just a, just a shock for me. And then actually playing in it was even even wilder, um, even, even more wild. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't even begin to explain – what was going on first. I mean, you could barely see out there. I mean, it was just a flurry of snow. Um, the whole game, it was freezing. Um, I thought I was trying to be a hero. I didn't wear gloves. <laughs> I was trying to be cool. Um, <laughs> my hands were, were frozen. Uh, I mean, I only had one Under Armour on, but I wish I would have had like five. Um, I didn't have any tights on, so I was trying to be a hero again with that as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just absolutely nuts and I it was actually crazy looking out in the stands and actually seeing our uh our supporter group out there and some guys without their shirt oh, man. <laughs> shirt on and I was like dude I, I honestly I couldn't believe it because I was literally I was freezing on the field and I was moving around so I, I mean I couldn't even imagine um the people out there well and even my mom was in the stands she was watching the game the whole time and I was like man she's out there I mean I gotta I gotta um I gotta show up and work hard and hopefully we can get this result and um I mean obviously we we did get a a decent result at the end yeah it's just a six goal game and that amount of snow is just a crazy ending that you don't anticipate coming for sure I would I would rather be an attacker than a defender in that game I can tell you yeah I mean, I'd rather be inside. I don't play that one. So I got a pulled hamstring. I don't think I can play today, coach. Yeah, I I can completely relate to trying to play that hero role. You know, we're all from Ohio, so we're used to snow. And I played soccer at a D three school down here in Virginia, where you know most of these people really don't see snow on a regular basis. And whenever it was, you know, relatively cold in the and you know in the fall when we played our season, like. I was never even going to think about wearing an undershirt or anything like that. Even when it was cold as could be outside, you know, you, you got to act tough. It's it's that persona that you got to, you know, put off. Right. <laughs> I think it also, it also, that's how it goes. It also comes to like your personal, if you're not used to wearing tights or under armor or gloves, it's like, well, I'm not used to that. And it like feels weird when you are wearing them or whatever. For sure. For sure. And I mean, I have to admit it wasn't that cold through warm-ups and the first 15 minutes of the game. Um, and then it just took a it took a huge turn. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then it was just – by that time, it was just – I mean, I just had to just deal with it. So you play with – this isn't one of our, you know, questions that we typed up or anything, but you play with 
Kai Kamara. Uh, he, he's a beloved Columbus crew player. You know, shout out to Lawless Abubakar as well. You also play with him. But it, it, I, there's a lot of, like, social media and there's a lot of stuff out there about Kai Kamara. Is he really as funny as, like, people make him out to be and as crazy as people make him out to be? Yeah, he he's definitely a jokester. <laughs> I mean, he's a guy that, that likes to have fun. I mean, he's a veteran guy. I mean, he's probably one of the oldest guys on the team, but he doesn't act like it. I think I think that's what keeps him young, um, just hanging out, messing around, having fun. Um, doing what he loves. And I think he's trying to enjoy it to the fullest because obviously, I mean, he's played so many years and he only has so many left. So I think he's just enjoying it each day as it comes. And and uh, I, I have to give him a shout out for that because, I mean, I don't know if I could do it. I mean, playing 15 years or whatever it's been, going through so many preseasons and a guy that's always laughing and smiling and uh, playing pranks and just being a humble good dude. I mean, it's 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 uh it's been great to kind of uh, form a relationship with him and hang out with him and talk with him and share his experiences that he's um, that he's underwent and uh, and uh, yeah and hopefully I mean this year we could um, help him win another championship. Yeah, he's an absolutely phenomenal player in the air. One of the most lethal in the league. Yeah, like I think they call him the headmaster. I think. Yeah, is his nickname. I mean, something like <laughs> yeah, that. He, he wins all those balls in the air. So. Yeah, it's crazy. It's on. It's like there's something. I'm like, there's no way. There's, I think. I think I forgot who we played. I think it was like Montreal, and he dunked on a keeper. <laughs> the keeper came out, and he literally jumped over the keeper and scored. And I was like, man, this dude is unreal. At 37 or however old he is, and he's one of the most athletic guys that I've seen. Yeah, he's he's a freaking nature. Is he still in the, is he still doing like the heart shaped hands as a celebration? Yeah, I mean that's his go to. Yeah. I don't think he's ever gonna change that. Yeah, I have a t shirt that has him doing that on it. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> I've, I've been a I've been a Kai fan for a while now. So we'll go ahead and move on. So recently on Twitter, uh, you actually it was what made me DM you, um, but you tweeted you had two tweets back to back. And you said, my biggest fear is ending up a used-to-be, and I got something to prove. So where is this drive coming from, and how do you take the next step in your career? Well, first and foremost, um, those are those are lyrics from a song, something to prove by Lil Baby. Um, so that's kind of what tweeted it. But also, I mean, it, I tweeted it could also speaks to me. Right. Um, like I said before, I, mean, I, I had an absence from the national team. Um, I think a lot of people kind of counted me out, and I was kind of reading some comments People call me overrated and stuff like that. I mean, uh, which is fine. I mean, everyone is entitled to their own opinion. But I, I don't want to have that image that people think, oh, oh, he used to be good or he used to do this or he he was this player before at Dallas and at Colorado. Um, he's not. And for me, I'm using that as motivation to, to work harder. And for me, um, obviously this year I had a, a really good preseason and um, a strong off season. So, I mean, despite or before all this, I mean, I was ready for the season and this is my year to kind of break out and show people that um, I'm still a top player. I can still play on the national team. I still have aspirations of playing in Europe. Um, and it's not, I'm not just this guy that's just content with where I'm at. I sign a new deal and that's it I mean, for me. I want to, um, continue to 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 push to push more and and I want to win championships. I want to be back on the national team, all star team. I want to play in Europe. All those things. So for me, I'm just letting people know that I have something to prove to everyone that um, I'm still here and I'm ready. Yeah, the sky is the limit for you. So you touched on wanting to play in Europe. 
Uh, one of one of our best friends gave us kind of this question. I think it's an interesting question. If you were to move to Europe, which team or which league would you most like to play in? Uh, I would definitely like to play in the Prem. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the most competitive league in the world. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm not I'm not opposed to going anywhere else. Um, I want to play in a top league for sure, but I think the Prem. I mean, that's those are that's a league that's that are that's on Saturdays and Sundays, sometimes Fridays, uh, Mondays. I mean, it's always on TV, and I mean every game is competitive. Whether you're watching, you know, Sheffield versus um, I don't even know Brighton. I mean, even that game's competitive, and that's that's something that I kind of thrive on. I mean, I I love the environment, seeing the fans, seeing the passion, seeing the grit that's nasty, everything about it. Just something that I really take pride in, something that I, I want to um, be a part of. And especially, I mean, being around guys that actually played in the Prem, like Kai and, and my teammate Tim and um, Guzan, who was on uh, the Nash team with me, and and um, talking with Christian as well at Chelsea. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely um, inspiring to see, to hear their stories, see how far they've uh, they came Um all the obstacles, all the the triumphs they've they've all had, and that's just something that I've always wanted to be a part of and take part in. Yeah, well, I I appreciate that. So, Kellen, I saw that Colorado had received two offers from for you from um, a, a championship team over in England, uh, one for three million dollars, one for three point five mil. Um, both of them got rejected by the Colorado Rapids. Do you know who that team was, or do you have any kind of feelings about that? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go too much in detail about it. Um, obviously, you guys probably saw the tweet that I, I wrote back at someone. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, people, like I said, I'm, I'm not just content. I mean, I've always had dreams of playing in Europe. Um, part of my trade with um, between Dallas and Colorado, that the, the, the money would be split three ways, and that's kind of what prompted Colorado to turn down the offer. Because, I mean, what they gave up kind of didn't match with what they would get back. So that, I mean, I kind of understood that. But it was, I mean, I, I, I was very close to leaving. Very, very close. I mean, it came down to the last day. I don't think a lot of people know that. Probably was the first time I kind of opened up about it. But, uh, I mean, it was, it, was, it was very close. But, um, I mean, for me, I mean, I can't be mad about it. I mean, I'm, it was definitely disappointing. But for me, I mean, now I just have to buckle down work harder and, and hopefully, I mean, I, I can have the season that I want to and I can have a higher offer that Colorado can't refuse. Yeah, definitely. And you're, you're like we said earlier, you're a very appreciated player and a well-respected player in Colorado. So, you know, you're only going to continue, you know, from the tweets and from this conversation we just had. You're very motivated. It sounds like you're really, you know, you're, you're busting your ass to get to where you want to go and you have very high expectations for yourself. Um, so you, you'll get there. There's no doubt about that. I appreciate it. I'm hoping so also. Of course. So we so we talked about the Premier League a little bit. Do you have a favorite Premier League team? Yeah, I mean, I always like watching Chelsea. Yep. I mean, that's, that's it right there. Dating <laughs> back. <laughs> oh, that's yep, your team too? <laughs> I love Bollock. My, my man was Bollock back in the day. So. Michael Bollock? Yeah. Yeah. Top player. Top player. Um, yeah, I mean, I always just enjoyed them. Uh, they played top football. Obviously, it's changed with the, with the new personnel, new players, but – and I mean, I even support them a little bit harder because Christian's there, one of my good boys. So it's it's great seeing him um, adjust to the league and playing games and scoring scoring some goals as well. So I'm hoping that he's 
all recovered from his injury, and so when the when the league starts back up, he's he's ready to to go. Yeah, we uh, we're all big Christian fans as well, um, but I'm an Arsenal fan, so I I can't relate to the Chelsea. Oh I, man, I that's tough. <laughs> Yeah, so so you said you guys are going through changes. We're really we've been going through some changes. Um, it's it's been difficult to continue to support Arsenal, but you know it's. Well, I'm also a Cleveland Browns fan, so I'm used to this. Oh, that's rough too, man. <laughs> yeah, we're used to this. Yeah, we're used to this. <laughs> I mean, thing. I'm a co- I'm a Cowboys fan, so I mean, you can take it for what it is. So okay, <laughs> Kellen. So how's it honestly? How's it like playing with Christian Pulisic though? Yeah, I mean, I mean, his play speaks for itself. Special player, guy that's super dynamic. He's deceptively fast. Once he changes gears and rounds a corner, he's gone. He's super quick, super technical, s- smart guy. And uh, I mean, like I said, I mean, he's one of my good friends off the field. So being on the field, and we already have that relationship. So it's it's always it was always fun playing with someone that you're that you're close with. Yeah, you kind of touched on uh, what I was about to ask, but like going back to the national team and you talking about how you're keeping in touch with Christian, what are the like relationships like with the players that are like overseas that you only see during like national team camps? Do you guys like keep in touch often? Is it like when you guys get to camp, is it like your long lost reunion type of thing? Like what's that kind of like? Because you only see these guys, what maybe like a couple weeks out of the year, a couple months out of the year. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously everyone has you know, their own schedules and time passes and you don't get to connect. But, I mean, we're always kind of keep, keeping tabs on each other, whether it be um, via social media or playing video games with each other. I mean, a little text here and there, um, watching the games. Um, so, I mean, obviously it's not the same, just FaceTiming and stuff like that. And so when we do get together, I mean, it's always fun kind of making jokes, hanging out and enjoying each other's company. So, I mean, it, it is, in a sense, a, a long lost reunion. So, I mean, I think we always enjoy kind of coming back together, seeing each other, and just hanging out. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, Kellen. Uh, so, I know I have a two-year-old son. And, I mean, right now I'm a pretty, pretty much an old rusty bucket right now with my soccer skills. So, <laughs> but, like, I would love, my, love to see my son play soccer, like, in the future. So, would you like – honestly, would you like to see your son, like, following your footsteps, or what would you like him to do? I mean, definitely for sure. I mean, I would, I would hope he he loves soccer, but I mean, if he doesn't, then, um, I mean, I'm just gonna have to accept that, even though I'm gonna hate it. But it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm gonna support him in whatever he does. I mean, whether it, if he wants to not play at soccer at all, or if he wants to play a different sport, if if he's more artistic. I mean, it's, I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. I'm just gonna love him for for what he does and for who he is, and. Um, but I'm definitely pushing the, the whole soccer narrative. I always try to have a ball in front of him and tell him to kick it. Um, but, I mean, right now he's he kicks it here and there. Uh, I think he's going to be a lefty, which is actually kind of surprising. I don't know where he got that <laughs> from. But um, but he, he, he likes shooting uh, – um, uh, excuse me. He likes shooting uh, uh, the basketball. He likes uh, shooting hoops. So I think that's his thing. So we'll see. We'll see what it is. And he kind of has a good arm on him. So maybe, maybe baseball. I wouldn't be opposed <laughs> to that either. Yeah, because I know, I know my wife gets mad at me because I, I mean, I want my son to play sports all the time, and I don't want him to do anything else. So my wife gets mad at me when I say <laughs> something else. So that's that's all she is about it. But I mean, 
shoot, like I would love, I would love to have you like teach my son some soccer skills. Honestly, some techniques. I mean, shoot, I mean, he's at that age. He probably doesn't care. I mean, I think I love it too. Maybe in a couple of years, I, I I would help out a little bit. Yeah, I, mean, I don't blame you, honestly. <laughs> yeah, Poopus, when uh, if you if you buy his plane ticket, he he will come out there and, and teach Donovan. Hey, I mean, I'm down for it. Yeah, I, was, I don't care. Hawaii, right? I mean, shoot, I might have to, I might have to make a little trip, and I'll, I'll come stop by. Yeah, I mean, sure. let me know. Like, I mean, my son's gonna get better if you teach him, anyways. Not from me. So, <laughs> I'm rusty. Yeah, there's always YouTube. I mean, that's true too. <laughs> oh man, so we're gonna get into what is normally what is supposed to be the last question. It never really works out that way. Um. But what would your advice be to the younger generation of players looking to come up through the ranks and kind of make it to where you are? Um, I mean, kind of just like three things. Um, you got to be, you got actually four things. You got to be passionate. You got to have commitment. You got to have work ethic and you got to be coachable. I think those four things have, have really helped me along the way. I mean, work ethic speaks for itself, what you put out or what you put in, what you'll get out. Being coachable is is learning um, from people around you, absorbing information to better yourself. Being passionate is having um, love for the game and really enjoying what you do. Don't just do it just to be doing it. And having commitment means if this is something that you want to do, you got to be fully invested in it. I mean, for me, I made a lot of sacrifices growing up. I um, I missed out on on college. Um, High school, I didn't get to do go to like the the Friday night football games. I went to Allen High School. I don't know if you guys are familiar. I went to the same school as Kyler oh, yeah, Murray. That's a, that's a really good. Um, so Friday night lights is is huge. Um, I didn't get to go to the football games. I didn't do prom. I didn't do homecoming. Um, yeah, you just you you're gonna have to sacrifice some things to to get what you want out in life. And that I mean, it doesn't really speak for for soccer. It speaks for kind of anything. And um, if you learn that at a at a younger age, I think it's going to pay dividends for, for your future, for sure. Yeah, and um, I totally agree with you. I mean, like, all the things you said is exactly what I look for and what my head coaches ask me to look for when we're recruiting players to come play for our program. So, like, the coachability, that that's, like, the hu- biggest one. It's, like, how coachable are they? They might not be, like, the best player. They might not be – they might not be the worst. They might actually be the best. But if they're the best, like if they're still coachable, then that's even better. But like, how coachable are the average ones that can we coach them to become better than what they are and improve our program going forward? So I love the coachability one. That's not one that a lot of people really touch on when thinking about giving advice to the younger people. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely huge. It's, for sure. it's very important, you know. If a coach, if if a coach can buy into you, um, then that's going to be huge in your development. So I think being coachable, and we haven't, we ask all of our people that we interview that same question, and we haven't gotten that response yet. And I think that's actually one of the most important aspects of, you know, continuing your career and bettering yourself as a player is being coachable. And, you know, we did, we asked you the question earlier about how, you know, switching from your club team to the U.S. men's national team, um, how that transition worked. That required you to be very coachable. It's a different system. It's a different coach. There's different expectations. So in, in that regard, you know, that shows that you are very coachable. Yeah. I mean, you have to adapt um, 
to the different playing styles. I mean, for me, for Colorado last year, I I had three different coaches. Start off with one, had an interim coach, and then we had our permanent coach um, halfway through the year. And so each coach has different systems. And you, I mean, if you don't get it, then you're not going to play. So it's important that you kind of ask questions when needed and be eager to learn. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're not getting it down, they're going to pick someone else. For sure. So the only other question I have, I know two people. One person we've interviewed so far, he plays for San Antonio FC. Hayden Partain, do you know him? Yeah, he's one of my boys. I grew up playing with him. Oh, Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, we played on the same youth. I saw that you guys uh, had a conversation with him before. Yeah, we played. I mean, I've been knowing Hayden since I was, like, six years old. Small world. Yeah, this circle yeah, soccer is small. <laughs> yeah, it seems like we're only getting uh, Texas people or people that played for Wake Forest, and that's just kind of our trend <laughs> so far. Oh, well, you had what, Chris Duvall and yeah, Aiden. Yeah. Is that right? Uh, then we also had Brandon <laughs> Eaton, who went to Virginia Commonwealth and plays for Forward Madison. Uh, but okay. there's, there's a kid that I played college soccer with that actually hooked us up with Hayden that you might know, Josh Kemp. Josh Kemp. No, I'm not familiar. Uh, well, he uh, – he was familiar with you. Um, Josh he's, Kemp. He's from right Man. around where y'all are from. Uh, really good. I named Con- – I got to Played for the Dallas Texans. Is that a team down there? Yeah, oh, yeah. It's a, I mean, it was a huge yeah, yeah. team. He, he, um, they're not as big anymore. Yeah, he, he played down there. And then we went to Virginia Western University down in Virginia Beach. Um, so that's, that's, that's why I threw that name out there. Anyways, boys, I don't have any more questions. Poopus, Dakota, you guys have anything else to add? No, I I don't. I mean, just a thank you to really, I mean, taking your time out on really such short notice um, to join us this week is amazing. I mean, we really thank you, and we've been looking forward to this. So happy with the interview, and I thought it went really great. Yeah, no, it was awesome. I, I definitely want to thank you guys for having me on. It was fun kind of hanging out and talking with you guys and sharing my experiences. So um, I definitely, I definitely appreciate it and appreciate the company um, uh, this, this, with all these challenging times. So it's it's great to kind of connect with guys that have the same love of the sport as I do. So Great. Well, thank you for the feedback. I mean, if you guys want a fun question, I mean, I'm down for it. All so. right, Poopers, throw all us right. one more, man. Here he throw goes. Us one more. All right, Colin. So I know I like to steal my like kids' fruit snacks and stuff. So what, like, what kind of like childhood snack you like still snack on, like to this day? <laughs> childhood yeah. snack. Um, ooh, I mean, I could just be generic and say fruit I mean, that's, snacks. That's my and then, honestly, that's my go-to right now. Fruit, fruit snacks and and cheeses. Same, same stuff I go for. I still prefer my kids. So and, and I guess Cool Ranch Doritos. Oh man, yeah, that's, that's a good one. That's those nice. are good, honestly. Those are good. So yeah, I'm 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 a snacker. So I mean, I have uh, I have a uh, quite the selection at my house. I mean, so um, I try to I try to keep a healthy diet, but I mean, I'm a kid at heart, so I have to get back to my childhood a little bit and eat eat some of those. Uh, Kind of I, was, I, mean, I don't blame you on that one. So I was just going to ask, is it as hard for you to resist the snacks as it is for us right now during this time? Almost <laughs> definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm bored right now, and I'm, I catch myself opening the fridge probably 30 <laughs> times a day, opening the pantry 30 times a day. I'm like, all right, that was kind of good. I'm just going to snack on that for a bit. Oh, that's gone. I'm going to go see what else is in there. 
and then so I mean I'm constantly snacking, eating. So, um, but I mean I'm still working out, so I think it evens out. Well, good. I, mean, I try my best, but I still have that dad bod. So I mean it's whatever to me right now. So. <laughs> Kellen doesn't have that problem now. <laughs> oh no, Delphi doesn't. <laughs> All right, so Kellen. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's been a pleasure interviewing you. You've given us a lot of insight into your professional career, your career with the U.S. Men's National Team, um, and your career with, you know, FC Dallas Academy. Uh, you've been a great guest. We appreciate you so much for being our 10th guest, or not our 10th guest, but our guest on our 10th episode. Um, this is a milestone for us. We started this journey when, you know, the league was happening, and we thought it would kind of be easy. It's been a little bit difficult, and, you know, thank you for being willing to join the podcast with a couple guys that, you know, are just, you know, your regular guys just spread across the country. So uh, this is Blem. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, this will be posted tomorrow, sometime Friday around noon. Um, we'll see you guys next Thursday. Until then, again, Kellen, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. You, thank you guys for, for having me on again. And I'm um, looking forward to, to hearing your guys' podcast. I'll, I'll keep in touch, and uh, and I'll I'll be in tune with with uh, with you guys in the future. So hopefully, you guys can keep uh, keep growing, get more guests, uh, even bigger guests. So um, I'm wishing you guys the best. And I appreciate that big time. Honestly, like that means a lot to us. So especially having you on for our very first like huge episode. So. Yeah, you got to have a starting point, so I'm glad I, I could be that. And, yeah, like I said, I hope you guys get even yeah. bigger. Colin, thank you. Um, you know, enjoy your time in Colorado. Stay safe to you. You know, stay healthy. Hopefully the, the family stays safe and healthy as well. To all of our listeners, thank you for listening. You guys stay safe and healthy as well. Again, this is Week 10 of MLS Gone Wild. We'll catch you all next week. Peace.